This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. So check out the plant-based protein market, man. It is, Jason, expected to grow to something like 40, 41 billion by 2025. One big player in that world is Impossible Foods, and they just rolled out their first all-new product nationally since uh, the company released its Impossible Burger back in 2016. So let's get into it with David Lee. He is the Chief Financial Officer at Impossible Foods, joining us on the phone in San Mateo, California. David, thank you so much. I know it's been a little bit of a crazy day, and we really appreciate your patience as we uh, listened in on that uh, virus task force. Let's start there. First of all, how has your world been? Well, our world has continuously been about increased demand, even as more and more folks to this global pandemic are sheltering in place. We've seen something like a 30x increase in Impossible Foods business and grocery stores, and we're on track, actually, to exceed 50x growth this year. We are trying to adjust to meet the meat eater where they're increasingly shopping, and that means in grocery stores, it means creating our direct-to-consumer business at buy.impossiblefoods.com as well as supporting the rollout at Starbucks and at Burger King, our new platform, The Impossible Sausage. So, David, talk to us about sort of those shifts that you had to make to, to meet that demand. Was it uh, – did it involve sort of shifting spending? Did it involve shifting production? Like, take us inside what, what you had to do as this uh, sort of changed and, and then kept changing. Right, because surges in demand are great, but sometimes you got to all of a sudden – got to meet them. Yeah, exactly. You bet. I mean, we have been well prepared uh, for the surge that we're recently seeing because a big part of our research and development is not just in a delicious Impossible Sausage product or an Impossible Burger. It's the actual way we make our product. So being able to scale with co-manufacturers like OSI has allowed us to meet all the demand we're seeing and continue to grow. Uh, That said, it is unprecedented the amount of demand we're seeing. and, And so far, we are on track to supply it. Were you, David, surprised by that? I mean, I know a lot of people have been home and they're ordering lots of food, but I am curious how you think specifically the virus impacted kind of your world, maybe opened it up or made more people aware. Did you specifically target folks with advertising or how do you think it came about? What are you hearing? Well, our brand has been built predominantly uh, based on earned media and word of mouth. And Mm. I think as more and more meat eaters are sheltering in place, they're thinking about the choices that they make every day to feed their families. They're thinking about what does the meat they crave do to the environment and their health. You know, nine out of 10 of our customers are self-avowed meat eaters. And when you have the benefit of really uh, deeply thinking about better choices for yourself, it's a natural fit with the rollout of the products because we're just as craveable. We just don't have as many compromises for your health and for the environment. That's interesting. So uh, tell us more about what you've learned about the the customer, David, because you make such a good point that it is a very reflective time. I mean, and that extends to everything from exercise to nutrition to, you know, maybe even some bigger um, crises that we're facing as a country around social justice and consumption and and inequality and, and all those different things. But it is a time to get to know your customer more. Tell us more about that. Well, you know, meals have always brought families together, and the Impossible Burger could possibly be the one product that's been launched to bring everyone together, whether you're a meat eater, you're vegan, you're halal, or you're kosher. You know, what we find is that as home chefs 
experiment with cooking. You know, they've come to realize that meat is incredibly bespoke to how they want to serve it. They can make it rare or well done. They can put it in pasta or a burger. An impossible burger and impossible sausage are unique in that they're entirely made from plants, but you can make them into whatever you are, you're, you're hoping to make for dinner for your family, mm-hmm. unlike almost any other plant-based product prior. Um, so I think that experience of watching our products transform uh, in their own hands has been a unique one, different than going to a Burger King or to a Starbucks where you can enjoy the impossible breakfast sandwich or the impossible sandwich. And that's been driving a lot of the growth we're seeing out of grocery. Well, that's what I was curious, David. Like, break it down for us. I mean, we're Bloomberg. We're nerdy. We love, you know, kind of to break down exactly where you're seeing the growth. So is it, you know, you talk about the direct-to-consumer market so people can go online. There's the supermarkets. There's those partnerships, right? Starbucks, you know, announcing their own breakfast sandwich that's made with your impossible sausage. So rolling it out to 15,000 stores nationwide. Where is the most growth among those revenue streams? Well, candidly, we're seeing growth across all of them. I mean, 20,000 locations for Impossible Sausage made from plants since the start of the year. Uh, An increase of 30x the number of grocery stores, right? Up to nearly 5,000 locations today with plans to to grow that even faster. And then the recovery that we are helping support uh, amongst food service, where you're seeing innovative tactics by our restaurant partners. They are they're shipping raw impossible burger direct to the home consumer. They're creating meal kits. Uh, and, and frankly, all of that is happening in a way uh, that transcends any single channel. And because we are building a new business, we can adjust to where the meat eater has shifted. And they're shifting increasingly to cooking at home, um, though we are seeing resurgence again back in the food service world. So, David, uh, talk to us about sausage because, you know, that is an area. Because Jason loves sausage, David. I That's love what it's sausage. About. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> have tr- I've tried the product in restaurants. I'm excited to try it uh, in, in my home. But, I mean, it obviously is a, a different sort of product. But as you say, uh, a lot of possibilities there. Uh, tell us about sort of the development of it and how you market it maybe differently uh, than you do just the, the straight up burger and the, the more uh, straight ahead meat or meat product. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the hallmarks for Impossible Sausage in some ways are really similar to the way in which we've been successful with the Impossible Burger. It it appeals to meat eaters like yeah. me and you. Um, it transforms the way the Impossible Burger does. And it's comfort food. You know, we, we announced that with uh, Yelp's help, we're at 30 of America's top-ranked diners, these mom and pops that are just known, known for delicious comfort food. Even as we roll out, at 15,000 locations across Starbucks and Burger Kings. And that's the thing about a great sausage product. It, it creates a new opportunity for breakfast for Impossible Foods. You know, burgers are great, and the Impossible Burger is, is one of the best, but it's often not the first thing you wake up and choose to eat. Right. Whereas a great breakfast sandwich is something I think we all If the break. first thing and, you're waking you know, up and eating is a burger, David, you've had... You're in college. You, you're, you're in college or you've had a really rough night, I'm guessing. That's that's right. But you know, well, speaking of which, the Impossible Sausage has some of the best health credentials around in that it has a 60% more iron than an average brand of pork sausage, right? It has 45% less calories, 60% less fat. So, you know, patty for patty, the Impossible Sausage is a pretty good choice first thing in the morning or any time. 
Well, you know uh, what's which interesting? Is why we're very excited. About. I have to jump in because you know, and Jason and I always go there when we're looking at all these, you know, meat alternatives, protein-based products. You know, because you know that everybody talks about the high levels of sodium. I've got to say, I went to your website. You guys go into a lot of detail about the sodium levels in your products. It's very informative, um, and I highly recommend that everybody read it. Having said that, it sounds like though, David, that you folks at Impossible are still looking at ways to reduce maybe the things that might make people a little concerned about the health factors of eating your products. Is that fair to say that you're still trying to, you know, maybe even improve it, whether it's the sodium levels or what have you? Absolutely. You know, the benefit of the way we approach our work is we're driven by science, which means there's a new, better version around the corner for every product we have. You know, we already have no cholesterol in our products and as much protein, as much iron, but we're increasingly improving the health profile, whether that's less and less fat or less and less salt. You know, the thing about salt, which you probably read, is that most meat eaters don't take raw meat right. and eat it without seasoning it. And so we like to think that by the time you enjoy our product versus the product from an animal, it's not altogether that different in the amount of sodium you're consuming. But that said, our, the promise of our technology is to get better and better. And, and I think you'll see more and more versions and improvements to come. Well, speaking of more and more versions, what's next in terms of products? Is protein-based drinks something that you guys might consider? I just wonder, you know, how do you see kind of the growth equation and strategy going forward? Would you make an acquisition? And, and ultimately, is it all about going public? Well, ultimately, it's all about serving more and more meat eaters product that's better for the world than themselves while driving a fantastic return for our investors. So we think about new products in the context of how big is the addressable market for meat eaters? How much of an opportunity is there to create a product that's superior, as you see we've done for now Impossible Sausage and the Impossible Burger? Um, as for going public, you know, we operate as if we're public, but we're not announcing today any uh, direct listing or IPO. Our investors hold us to the standard, though, of being public. You know, we've raised $1.3 billion in the life mm -hmm. of the company and many from large crossover sovereign wealth fund investors. And, and that means that we have to operate as if we're public in any case. Wait, so is that a no on maybe protein-based drinks? <laughs> you know, I, I never say no <laughs> okay. because our R&D team always surprises me. Right. But, you know, for us, it's about the mission and the business always. But you do see the world going that way, right? Like, I, you've got, I just think about, go back a few years, we weren't talking about this, and it's just been an explosion. I remember joining the company five years ago as its uh, first chief operating officer, and I think, candidly, many of my colleagues and friends thought I was crazy. Yeah. The idea of a plant-based meat company just didn't seem possible back then. But you fast forward a short five years, and you're seeing that meat eaters are, are really voting with their stomachs. They're, they've long been looking for something that is better for their health in the world. But frankly, everything else just didn't taste that good. And, and now you know, there are more and more options like the products we serve where the meat eater doesn't have to compromise. I don't think the need is new. Mm. I think what's new is the ability for companies to actually meet the need. Uh, and that's what's exciting for us at Impossible Foods. You know, David, I, I do want to ask you, and we've been talking to just about every leader that we've interviewed on this show about this, especially over the last month or so, um, and especially given your um, sort of expansive work across technology and consumer products uh, and whatnot, you know, places like Zynga, Del Monte, and, and now obviously Impossible, you worked for McKinsey. So, I mean, you have such a holistic view of the world 
and you also are working at a company that's very mission-driven. I do wonder how you guys are thinking about increased discussion, increased focus on diversity, inclusion, hiring your customers, what it means to, to take a stand. Walk us through some of the conversations that, that you may be having there uh, in the C-suite at Impossible around this. Well, one of the privileges in creating something uh, that's relatively new and fast growing versus inheriting larger businesses that are well-established is management teams at Impossible Foods, you know, we can take the time to think about what kind of culture are we building? What kind of company do we stand for? Uh, and while our mission to improve uh, the world's environment is clear, what may not be super clear to many of your listeners is that we're really focused on ensuring that we treat the employees that we have at the company and that we treat our customers in, in a great, fair, and equitable way. You know, one example is while we don't rely upon paid advertising, and that includes social media, we have great regard for what many of our partners are doing by going on a moratorium and avoid, avoiding some paid social media outlets to take a stand. We support that. Uh, but for us, it's about creating a brand in the business that can withstand the scrutiny through absolute transparency of our biggest critics. Um, that's something we take very seriously. Yeah, that's a great message. Uh, I just think in the context of everything that's going on. So we're going to leave it on that note. David, thank you so much. And again, we appreciate your patience as the news was evolving around us and we had to accommodate it. Um, and we really do appreciate your time. Uh, good luck with everything and look forward to talking with you again. David Lee, he's the Chief Financial Officer at Impossible Foods. 